Hello everyone. Welcome to Insights Alley. In this series about startup basics, we will try to understand and learn from insights shared by various phenomenal people around startups, product, growth, sales, strategy, and everything in between. My name is Arun Verma and let's get started. In today's episode, we will talk about the philosophy of jobs to be done framework with Alan Clement, who is the author of the book When Coffee and Kale Competes and the go-to expert around jobs to be done framework. Alan helps teams and individuals become great at making and selling products that people will actually buy. He has applied successfully jobs to be done theory to his own businesses and those he invests in. So, here is the episode. Hey Alan, welcome to Insights Alley and thanks a lot for taking out some time. Really appreciate it. Hello, hello. Uh, no problem. I'm excited to be here. Uh so Alan, would you like to start with telling us your career story in brief? The very brief version is I started my first business about 15 years ago, actually more mm-hmm. 18 years ago. And um it was it was successful, you know, I I I grew up pretty pretty well. I had employees working for me. I was making good business. Um but then I started shifting from someone who was making stuff and you know be involved with customers. Mm-hmm. I shifted from that to be more of a manager. So now I'm like dealing with hiring and finding employees and you know all that kind of managerial stuff and I didn't like it. Okay. So I thought, "Hey, I'm just going to give the business to someone else and I'll go back to making stuff." which I really enjoy the, the most. Um so then I started some other ventures uh, and they all failed. I, I didn't get anywhere and that's when I realized that I was really just lucky the first time. <laughs> right? Um and 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 I didn't really have any method on that on how to actually build a successful business. So I started working for other people uh, in the various capacities, engineer, product manager, owner, so on and so forth. Right. And so uh lately I've been doing consulting work as I figure out my next opportunity which I've found right now I'm actually building a new product right now. Oh nice. Uh, so I'm excited to get back into making things again starting another business. Um so that's that's where I am right now. Oh awesome awesome. Uh so let's dive into the main topic of today jobs to yep. be done framework. So Alan uh, what's a good definition and explanation of jobs to be done framework according to you? Yeah, so for me, I define a job to be done as someone's desire to change an existing life situation into a preferred one, but they can't because some constraints are blocking them. So that's like the kind of short definition of it. Another way of thinking about it is we use the word progress a lot. Hmm. So we 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 use this description of people are seeking progress in their lives, meaning that they want to make some change in a particular direction hmm. and you know they can't make that change on their own, so therefore they look to some product or service or some combination of product and services for which they can hire hmm. to help them conclude or execute this job of changing myself from how things are today to how things I would like things to be in the future. So we 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 call that jobs and we call it jobs theory. Okay. Uh so also there is this uh, popular line of thought that jobs remain same just the products that people hire 
change and better one comes right so could you give some example there are many famous ones like mcdonald's milkshake example or even uh, when coffee compete competes with kale right yeah. so could you explain yeah. on those a little yeah so i'll explain uh, the idea first and then i'll kind of give some comments about my thinking around that sure. idea right now sure uh so the, the the basic idea was that again getting people away from focusing on the product or focusing on a particular activity, but rather, again, thinking about the, the job as a much more stable thing. And, okay. and I'll kind of give an example. So if, for example, I am a salesperson and I'm trying to, and I own a business hmm. and I'm trying to improve the sales process of my business, that change I'm seeking for I'm desiring may exist maybe for as long as I have the business, you know, wanting right. to improve the sales. It's pretty that job of help me improve my sales pipeline will right. will be pretty static. But however, I might hire and fire different products as technology changes, as I hire and fire salespeople, as as other things change. That more right. higher level progress that I'm seeking will be the same. Mm-hmm. So, so that that's a general idea of how you know, jobs remain the same while solutions come and go. However, I have been not wanting to suggest that point of view because it's actually more complicated than that. It's it's okay. very interesting, but but you know, but it gets complicated pretty quickly. Okay. So I just like I just for example, so and I'll use a, a real example of a, of a project we did um, sure. about a year ago, and and again, and um, it goes back to the um, sales, uh, help me improve my sales process. So right. so as an organization is trying to improve their their sales process, their constraints and the desires are actually going to change as they make progress. So in the beginning, it's they kind of have this job around well, help me get control of my sales process and you know right. there's certain constraints that they have there and a certain idea in their mind of what it's like to be in control but then once they make progress on that then like okay i've i've kind of checked that job off right there's a check mark on that that's being full the the job is getting done right we've moved from jobs to be done to i've hired a product and now the job is getting done Right. Well, now this other job came up where you know, now that I've controlled my sales pipeline, now I want to improve it. Or maybe now I want to scale it. Okay. So now you have mm-hmm. this, you know, this new job kind of came up. And so I'm kind of looking for to, to improve that. So it's like, you know, consumers will kind of have these jobs, but then they do kind of change and, and modify as as they do make progress. So there's that. But right. then also from a market perspective, if you think about jobs as not changing, it's like, well, like, yes and no. Like, for example, if we say if we have a job around help me become a better parent, for mm-hmm. example, um, that that job, like as a high level idea, has existed for whatever thousands of years. Right. right exactly. But but what it means to be a better parent in 1950 is different than what it means to be a good parent in Today. the year 2000. Yeah. So it's like, is the job really the same? I mean, it's the same in name, but, you know, the constraints have changed or what it means, you know, to be a good parent has changed. Some things have not changed. Some things have have. So, you know, it's at the high level. Yeah, you can say, yeah, jobs are kind of remain the same while solutions come and go. But then, you know, maybe not. So okay. it's it's an interesting thing to uh, to get into. I, I wish there's a short answer. You know, we, right. we all like short, you know, short answers to things. But you know, I, I prefer to take more of a subtle point of view on that idea. 
Interesting, interesting. Uh, so uh, let's take an angle of jobs to be done in software product development, right? Okay. Uh, so uh, first of all, why is it useful in software product development philosophy, and why should product and design teams adopt this mental model uh, according to your experience? Yeah. So for me, so I will actually talk from personal experience. Sure. And this is you know talking academically or hypothetically. I'll actually talk how it's helped me. Right. Both as a product manager, but also in what I'm doing right now when I'm starting a new business. Sure. So I, I have to say that I think that, and actually I was tweeting about this today. Okay. I would encourage people to distinguish between like jobs data versus like usability or user experience data. Okay. To me, a jobs data, a job to be done should describe what the person is like before they use some product and then after they use some product. Okay. So that's the kind of data that you're capturing. So it helps you put up a good frame for what your like the input and the output of of your product, right? Okay, you know, the the input is the customer before your product and then mm. Something happens, right? And then the output is, okay, they've changed or they're, you know, things have changed for them for the better. And here's what that looks like. Right. And it's up to you as a product owner, manager, innovator, designer, whatever, to figure out, you know, well, what's that middle part look like? And mm-hmm. uh, so, so I think that's like, it, I think jobs gives you a good frame upon that and gives you the flexibility to be creative in the middle, okay. right? So that's what I like. So right now I'm I'm working on a on a tool to help organizations become better at gathering and organizing and consuming consuming market insights. Oh, okay. And right, so that's what I'm doing. I'm building a product on that right now, and I'm doing the interviews for that. I'm doing the research for that and all that kind of stuff. So I'm kind of designing the the jobs to be done right now. But I haven't really thought much about what the product will do or what it's going to look like. I mean, I have ideas, but I'm not mm. really focused on that right now. I'm focused on okay, you know, how are things today? And then like, what's the like ideal future that that these companies would love to be in the future? So I kind of want to like draw that frame up okay, and then use that. So when I work with the other engineers and their designers who say, hey, here's how customers are. Here's this ideal future for themselves. You know, how can we connect the dots? Okay. So as you mentioned, uh, you are in that earlier product development stage. Uh, as yep. a as a person who's let's say making a product, uh, it's in very early stage and trying to make product either initially or just trying to make the product better incrementally. How should one think about finding these jobs? So let's say I'm making let's let's say I'm making a meditation app or a productivity yep. app. Uh, consumer or B2B SaaS doesn't matter. But how should one think about finding these jobs by talking to users or what exactly? Right. So I would say that we want to identify, uh, again, as I mentioned before, Hmm. there's particular data that we're looking for that helps us model and understand a job to be done. Hmm. And then once you know what you're looking for, then you can really choose whatever methods you feel are best. And I actually suggest using a mixed method approach. Mixed of what? Uh, uh, mixed methods approach. Okay. You know, okay. using different methods, you know, okay. mixing okay. interviews with, you know, one-on-one interviews, if, if you like, or with, you know, with surveys or even focus groups or ethnographic research, you know, kind of a real mixing things together, but recognize that you're looking for a particular job jobs data. Right. So so jobs data would be things like what are the feedback loops that people are attuned to or looking for that tell them that either that they are where they want to be 
right? So for example, what are the feedback loops that tell an organization or a person that, yes, I have control of my sales pipeline and I'm mm-hmm. happy with it, mm-hmm. right? Or what are the feedback loops that tell me I may not have total control of my sales pipeline, but you know what? It's better today than it was last month. So I'm making progress. Right. So, you know, we're, we're looking for those. We want to identify those feedback loops. Right. Um, that's one type of data we're looking for. Another type of data we're looking for are constraints. So like those are things that are blocking me from achieving that job, you know, blocking me from improving my sales pipeline. It could be anything from some, maybe some functional constraint. Like, you know what? I have to plug into Salesforce. Like hmm. no matter what has to plug into Salesforce, you know, right. or, or something like, you know what? I'm, I'm really terrible at talking on the phone. Or, you know, whatever it is, just like whatever constraints that exist that prevent someone from improving. Okay. And then other things like uh, like catalysts. So like those are things that happen in, in someone's journey or someone's in their life to kind of accelerate demand, you know, like, like, you know, three months ago, you were fine with your sales process. You had control of your sales process, but now you don't. Okay. What happened? Like, how did that, how did that demand get created, how that job to be done get created for you. Because right. again, three months ago, you weren't shopping for a product. You were fine. Right, but now right. you're, you're frantically trying to find something. You know, what series of events happened? So, you know, and, and there's a few more things that we look for, but that, that's kind of the gist, you know, feedback loops, catalysts, and constraints. And so that's up to you to figure out what methods um, best help you understand those data and understand them and model them and, and gather them and organize them. So, yeah, you know, I enjoy doing things like switch interviews, you know, kind of, you know, or sometimes people call them JDB or jobs to be done interviews. I prefer calling them switch interviews because they're not really, you know, only regulated to jobs to be done. You can use a switch interview for anything. Okay. Uh, But, you know, those kind of interviews where you say, hey, you know, tell me you just bought this this iPhone today. Hmm. You never had a cell phone before, you know, a month ago. You never owned even own a mobile phone. Tell me that story about how you went from owning no mobile phone to owning an iPhone. Those are helpful. Again, that's kind of help you identify the types of data you're looking for. And then things like surveys. Are really good for quantifying it. So if hmm. someone say, "Yeah, I bought an iPhone because all my friends are doing it," like for example, right. like okay, you know, you've you've gathered that data through talking with someone. Now we can start counting. For example, how many of our customers bought an iPhone because they wanted to fit in. Right. So that's a good way of quantifying it. So again, it's 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 about thinking about the particular data you're looking for, and then choosing whichever methods you feel like will best help you you know, gather and validate those data. Awesome. Uh, Alan, there is a concept of user persona. What are your views on that? And uh, when is it helpful in a sense? And when is it not? What are your thoughts? Yeah, so the the whole thing about personas is, uh, actually, I I wrote an article about it maybe two months ago. Okay. And I I just think that personas are fundamentally flawed because they, and that's not their intent. You know, Alan Cooper and I think, Kim Goodwin is the other big persona person. Mm-hmm. I think their intent is good, but the 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 persona model is flawed. And and I can just and probably my biggest evidence that it's a flawed model is the fact that even though Alan Cooper introduced personas, gosh, 30 years ago, right. 35, you know, a long time ago, he's still like at the screaming at the top of his lungs, like, you're using personas wrong. You're using personas <laughs> wrong. And I feel right. like that if 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 a tool is designed properly, its misuse will be little or none. And so I, I think it's more a reflection of, well, actually, maybe you should start thinking that the tool was not well designed instead of blaming people for using it wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
the, the, that's kind of like it's it's very funny. It's interesting how Alan Cooper gets on software makers' cases about making a product that you know isn't intuitive to the user. It's like, oh, I'm using this AutoCAD program. You should. Your mental models, nothing how mine is. You know, you're you're so lazy. But he's kind of doing the same thing with personas. He's like, he's blaming the users and not blaming the tool. Sorry. Okay. Slight tangent. But but the my biggest issue with personas is that it causes people to focus on on the actual individual and not on their behaviors. I, I don't think focusing on the person is the right way to do it because you know that it's all about the behaviors that they're executing or trying and their to motivations execute. also yeah yeah and their motivations and you know what you know, behaviors and motivations are really you know are are demographic agnostic right. you know it's like it doesn't really you know it's like someone trying to become a better parent doesn't you know that maybe yeah. that maybe it's different culturally right but it doesn't really matter if you're black white tall short man woman uh, you know there's you know there there might be different contexts of, around it depending on you know culturally what that means it's probably more dependent on culture than it is upon you know you as an individual uh you know your name your religion well i guess that's kind of cultural but th- those physical characteristics which right. are part of a persona uh, you know and, and you can tell because just go to cooper's website where they talk about perfecting your personas and they have a picture of someone using, using a persona and yeah. half the page is someone's face it's like half is like someone's face i'm like well you're trying to get the person to focus on okay it's a white woman in her in, in her 30s like that's what your brain's going to focus on so I, I think it's much more productive to just think about, okay, well, what's the goals that are trying to be sought and what are the behaviors around those goals? And all the other stuff is just not that important. Right. Uh, I remember reading one of your articles where you mentioned that the persona kind of made sense when there was a, a wide gap between the product and design teams and the oh, end user, yeah. right? But uh, because that creates empathy in the team's mind for the user. But uh, in today's day and age, HP, uh, these teams should be constantly talking to these users. So the empathy part is already covered. User persona doesn't make use of any other thing. So yeah, makes sense. Uh, how, how do we replace this thing with uh, job story you mentioned uh, in brief earlier? Yeah, so job stories. So for me, that was, again, that, that grew out of my own personal experience as a product manager. Okay. And it, and it came from, I was writing user stories, you know, in the, in the traditional good old, you know, agile way of doing things, right. you know, and that's capital A agile, you know, the branded agile process. Right. And, and I just found that it was just, it was like, I read these user stories and then it was almost always developers or the engineers coming back to me and say, Oh, actually, you know what? We could do this totally differently hmm. and better this other way, which is completely different. Or, they would say, "Hey, you wrote this user story, but you know, did you know about this?" Hmm. And I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" And so, you know, they, I, I just felt like it was very much of a push model, you know, pushing requirements to 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 engineers and kind of treating them as as machines, you know, like like dumb labor, like just do this, build this, and don't think. Right. And um, I found, and and of course, a good engineer will always kind of push back on it. I believe. Uh, you know, because they're invested in building a better product too, and so I found that you know what this this user story model is too focused on building features or specking a feature, whereas I think it'd be much better if I had a way of describing kind of the the, the change hmm. that I'm hoping to make with this product or this feature, 
And so that's kind of where this idea of a job story of like, of you know, when I'm in this particular situation, I want, you know, some kind of functionality so that my situation has changed or things have changed for the better. Right. And so I say, okay, guys, so we're actually going back to job to be done. So, okay, guys, how can we, but it's, it's more focused to a, a usage of a product though. So it's, Less general, whereas a job to be done probably is best at the marketing level, okay. describing market level, whereas I think job stories help you more granular getting closer to the, the, the product because it's much more tied to a specific situation rather than more of a general feeling of progress. Right. So that, that's kind of how, how I like to use job stories one way, and that's the descriptive way. Hmm. The other way that I use job stories, which I wrote, I shared a... I'll share it again on Twitter. Okay. I shared a, a video. I, I gave a presentation about a month ago about another way I'm using job stories now, and it's probably applicable to I'm building a new product right now, hmm. which is I'm actually writing job stories for a product that does not yet exist or for situations that maybe don't yet entirely exist yet. Okay. So I'm, I'm actually like creating hypothetical job stories and like, okay, you know, and then running that by potential users and saying, hey, is this, you know, when these things happen to you, is this outcome attractive to you or not? Hmm. Right. And so it's kind of like I'm, I'm doing this like user testing or this code designing with this co-designing right yeah yeah a co-designing a potential solution with with a customer by using job stories and actually having them like working together writing a job story for a product that does not yet exist interesting uh you you mentioned jobs to be done interview or you called switch interviews also can you explain a little bit more how one should do that how do we conduct this interview yep so so everyone listening, we are writing a book on that right now. Oh, awesome. And it'll be out in I don't know, four, five, six months, early early next year. Okay. And uh, it's actually going to be pretty you know, rigorous and going through all of the – explaining the methodology, explaining the method, explaining the terms. You know, it's going to be a really – a really good book. It's probably closer to closer to social science as far okay. as the kind of real rigor and the and the depth we go into actually doing everything than it is to a very superficial like, hey, here is the six bullet points to hit. You know, good luck. Right. right. Um, okay. So a switch interview is the high level process is we want to look for people who have recently purchased a product hmm. or recently stopped using a product. And again, that's kind of why we, we call them switching because we're trying to dig into revealed preference, right? As opposed to stated preference and habits, right? Hmm. So we're, we're trying to study changes in people's behavior because hmm. actions speak louder than words, right? right. You know, uh, they might say, hey, your product was great, but then you ask them, yeah, but you canceled it. Well, you hmm. know, dot, 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 right? So right. We're, we're looking for that changes. And their behavior, and um, and then we and so that's a good place to start. So look for people who have just starting using a product or just stopped using it. Okay. If you have your own product, then it's good to start, just because it's easier to get access to these people. It's good to start by talking to people who have just started using your product or people who have just stopped using your product. So. You know, think one to three months, right, in, in both mm. directions. If you don't have a product yet, you can do the same thing, but around products or services who you think will be your competitors in the future. Right. So even if you don't have a product, you can still do the uh, these interviews. Anyway, 
So you, you do that, then we do about 10 to 15 of uh, people who have just started, people who just stopped, and then we're trying to look for all those jobs data. So things were fine a month ago, and then you know, tell me the story about when you started realizing you needed to make a change. How did you think about that change? Mm-hmm. What options did you look out? You know, did you try? Did you compensate in some ways? Did you talk to your friends about what they did when you were looking on Amazon or on Google? What what were you searching for? What kind of things were standing out to you? Uh, What seemed like great? You know, all that kind of stuff as we study their journey from okay, everything was fine, but then all of a sudden you determine you wanted to change. You learn some stuff, and then you decide to make a decision on making the change. Makes sense. How is it different from, let's say, a customer development interview, or is it some sort of mixture? Yeah. So as I understand, it's been a while since I've revisited Steve Blank stuff. So okay, I would. So the the way that I, I recall customer development process is, oh man, I can't remember right now. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll bring it up here. Sure. Um, as we're talking, and maybe we'll, we'll okay. We'll, uh, okay. Let's customer say, uh, development, but but I, I kind of say in general mm-hmm. is that um, what's What's different is that in general is that a switch interview, which is different than, say, contextual inquiry mm-hmm. or other types of more broad ethnographic stuff, right. is this is this dimension of time, right? So like okay. that's what it is. Like it's it's not going out and talking to people about okay, what are you doing today, mm-hmm. right? And what do you do and don't like about today? That that's just like study. That's that's like a snapshot. That's like okay, you know, how are things today? Hmm. Whereas a switch interview has this dimension of time of okay, well, let's actually go back to six months ago oh, okay. and tell me how you got to today. Okay. So it's that dimension of time, which is different. Because again, jobs to be done is about progress, and progress is is uh, maybe if you want to give some kind of formula to it, it might be like satisfaction over time or, right. Mm. It's just like, it's, it's, it's about change. It's about your velocity. It's, you know, that's what it's about. It's this dimension of time. And so we're trying to study that as opposed to a very static, you know, quote needs Mm. unquote model, which is okay. What do you do and don't need today? It's that's just kind of like a snapshot of of things today versus again a progress model, which is interested in studying how you know these needs come and go and adapt and change over time. Interesting. Uh, so let's say we are making a product and we found out with these switch interviews that there are yep. multiple job stories that people are hiring our product for for different jobs. So yep. how do you prioritize and how do you make sense of that? Okay, we should one be focusing on in terms of you know, further product development and marketing as well. Yep. So for a new, pro- so I'll describe what I'm doing right now. Sure. Uh, so again, I'll, I'll speak very, I always prefer to speak, this is what I'm doing as opposed right. to right, know, right. speaking hypothetically. You should right. do this, but you know, not me. Ha ha ha. Um, anyway, so what I'm doing right now is as I am talking with with customers and I'm building a, a new product, so I'm doing some other methods that right. I've created called experience acceptance testing okay. and another method I've, I've invented called simulated shopping. Th- these, so, next, uh, these methods would be in your next book, is it? Uh, not the next one. Okay, um, okay. 
because it's got it's got to be the next next book. Because, oh, okay. Okay. Um, you know, the next one's more about um, switch interviews and like and kind of studying jobs of today as opposed okay. to you know studying markets today and maybe building something around how markets are today as opposed to developing with the aim of maybe changing markets. Right. So it's, it's it's a little different thing. Okay, so okay. please go ahead. Go ahead. So so again, going back to like how do I figure out how to prioritize and what? Right. So okay. So first off some easy things to do so actually i would even back up right hmm. so i guess we'll have to back up like well what and this is something that ha- and i know this because i've been there as a product manager hmm. we we have to take a step back like, you know again as product managers we get so focused on you know maybe it's like improving the product we have to improve the product we got to make it better and and we just kind of obsess about that. But we really got to also put our business hat on and recognize that, well, wait a minute, actually, what we're really, our as product managers or product designers, what we're really, what, what the business is really hiring us to do or paying us to do is to figure out how to grow the product. Hmm. So. So that's actually where we need to start. So I would say make the decision of do we want to make a change that acquires more customers hmm. or do we want to make a change that will prevent people from leaving? Okay. Because if you want to create growth, right, which is every business wants to create growth, you know, increase revenue right. or gain more customers, usually gain more customers through um, increasing revenue or increasing revenue through gaining more customers usually. Right. So we have to ask, okay, do we want to, make a change to a product that gets more people to start using it or prevents people from switching away from it. Hmm. So that's where you start. And then, so that's like your first kind of helps you prioritize what to do. And then you get into, okay, well, let's start interviewing people. So let's say that, look, churn is low. So we need to figure out how to get more people to buy our product. Okay, great. So then I would just do switch interviews around, okay, you know, why are people buying our product? And then again, going back to that jobs data, let's identify one, like some constraints, you know, like, mm. like what are the top constraints? Like, oh, I wanted to buy your product, but X, Y, Z. Didn't have yeah. Sit. yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. didn't have, or I mean, I almost didn't buy it because of, you know, yeah, right. it was missing Salesforce integration. integration. Or, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Like it was missing something and therefore, or, you know, I, I looked at it and it looked really hard to use. And so I didn't buy it, but then someone convinced me it really was easy. So, okay, great. So there's some perception that's hard to use. Like you, you, and then, and then you can just, then you can quantify that, you know, like the, the, the qualitative part is kind of discovering, identifying what those things are. are. Are people having a functional constraint or whatever, whatever. And then we can maybe quantify that with, as we do like onboard interviews, or I'm sorry, on onboard surveys, you know, okay. Hey, can you answer this quick five questions of why you're, you're signing up? You know, was it easy? You know, whatever, whatever you, you, you try to quantify that. So I think that's a good way, like techniques like that, mm. um, you know, also things like identifying, do we have the right marketing message? You know, People were, we found out that people were Googling for best CRM, hmm. right? But we're, you know, but those were not our keywords. We're like, our keywords are, you know, favorite CRM or something around right. Google ads. So, right. you know, it's like, you, you just kind of like figure that out about do your best to figure out what would, what changes to marketing and or the product would help us acquire more customers. And then the same thing for people who may be leaving the product, you know, why are they leaving the product? And then can we quantify that? And and then I would just use that as your way of prioritizing changes to uh, to the product. Makes sense. 
Uh, any other key advice would you like to give to people who trying to apply jobs to be dumb? Yeah, so I, I would say that again. So I, I would say, and, and again, here's another thing too, which I I maybe used this before. Okay. And this is something that again, like Bob and Clay and a lot of the other people out there who talk about jobs, they refer to it as a framework. Hmm. And again, a lot of times when people hear framework, they think they think of it as a method. Like a framework is giving me structure as to what oh, I should some actionable steps or something like that. Yeah. Right. right but it's really, you know, and that's okay. why I don't use the word framework, even though it's 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 huh. still generally correct. But it's really framework of ideas, of okay. of concepts. You know, like like you can refer to a theory as a framework, as a, you know, like the theory of relativity, for example, is actually a framework of ideas that Einstein hmm. has. But so I would say that it's, so jobs to be done isn't really something that you do. It's a it's a a belief how markets operate of what causes consumers to buy and use products. Right. So I, I would say that it's a, you know, my best advice is to recognize that it's a theory of about, and again, when I say theory, it's a hypothesis that explains why consumers buy products and what causes them to engage in markets. Right. And, um, and so that, that's it. And so it's most helpful at that level, right? At the helping you understand and define a market and develop Developing your product strategy and hmm. helping you understand what change your product should deliver, but it's not best for helping you improve or des- necessarily design that product itself. I, you know, there's there's tons of stuff out there on UX research, on usability research, on design thinking, Google Design Sprints. I mean, all that right. kind of stuff. That's great to help you go through the process of designing. Um, but I, I would say that, and this will actually be, be in the book too. I think so. Like for example, in a Google Design Sprint, I think a that week should start off with, okay, what are the job to be done? Like, which is what's mm-hmm. the change that someone is seeking with our product? Great. Let's brainstorm on this and go through the Google Design Sprint. And at the end of it, let's test We'd if our product it. concept, yes, can right. deliver on that change. So it's kind of like it bookends. So that's how I would. Right. The two things that I would recommend to people is one, recognize that it's not it's not a method. It's 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 a thinking one. And then two, it's a great informant and guidelines for your chosen design methods. Awesome. Uh, what what books, people, or blog newsletter would you suggest people to follow? So. I will, I mean, of course, I'll suggest my book, <laughs> right. right? When Coffee and Kale Compete. Um, although there have been, I mean, that's a good introduction. Hmm. Although there have been advances in the theory, which is another reason why doing the, the an update in six months is going to be what we've learned over the last three or four years of applying jobs theory. Okay. Um, Clay's book, Competing Against Luck, there's some things that disagree in there. Okay. Uh, with, but you know, it's a good, his is a very nice, gentle introduction. You know, like sometimes having a gentle introduction means simplifying things so much where it's like technically wrong, but hmm. the goal is to get you to understand. So like, that's a good thing to help you understand, right? But then as you go deeper, you're going to have to, you know, you'll need more granular right. understanding of things. Right. Uh, where people can find you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just Twitter, my Twitter handle, which is at Alan Clement. I also manage the, the collection at jtbd.info where other people write about their experience with jobs. Okay. I think that's just the best. The best. Okay. And if you want to contact me, you can hit me over Twitter or go to my name, alanclement.com. That's Clement with a K. Uh, or people, you can just send me an email directly if you want to talk or have questions about jobs. Awesome. Awesome, Alan. Uh, it was great talking to you. Thanks a lot again. Yes. Likewise. Thanks. Take care. See you. See ya. That's it, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Show notes would be available in the link below or you can just go to insightsally.com slash notes. 
please rate, review, subscribe in whichever app you are listening to this episode. And most importantly, give feedback in comments, reviews, or you can just email me at arun at insightsalley.com. You can also follow and connect with me on Instagram, Twitter, etc. My handle everywhere is arun11192. And remember, always be learning. Bye.